Hi, my name is Brian. I'm a disgruntled teacher, and I'm teaching during COVID-19. And this is my podcast. There. <laughs> I said it. So there I say. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have a very special treat. My guest has written more than 30 novels for young readers and teens. She is the author of the 18-book Edgar-winning series, Sammy Key's Mystery Series, and wrote my personal favorite and my class's favorite, Flipped, which was named a top 100 children's novel for the 21st century by School Library Journal, and it became a Warner's Brother feature film in 2010 directed by Rob Reiner. Van Dronen, she has also created two four-book series for younger readers. One of them is called The Shredderman Books, which became a Nickelodeon made-for-television movie and received the Christopher Award for affirming the highest values of the human spirit. The Gecko and Sticky Books, and these are fun read-alouds, perfect for, you know, reluctant readers. Uh, and the, <clears throat> It's a spin-off of the Shredderman series. Van Dronen's standalone titles include The Secret Life of Lincoln Jones, which in 2017 was a winner of the Bank Street College of Education's Josset Frank Award, the book Runaway, Confessions of a Serial Kisser, Swear to Howdy, The Running Dream, which was an ALA Schneider Award winner for its portrayal of the disability experience, and most recently her ALA 2019 Best Fiction for Young Adults title Wild Bird, which is the story of a teenage girl who gets forced into wilderness therapy after falling in with the wrong crowd. She was a high school teacher for 15 years. Van Dronen is now a full-time writer, and she's married, and she has two sons, and she lives on the central coast of California. Her first nonfiction book, Hope in the Mail, Reflections on Writing and Life, is a part memoir, part writing guide, and part publishing insight suitable for teen and adult readers everywhere, especially those who just want to write. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mrs. Wendelin Van Dronen. So let's dive right into the podcast. Thank you uh, again for coming and, and talking with me, just a, a little teacher here in Bedford, Indiana, and you're all the way out in California. Is that correct? That is correct. California. I've always wanted to visit California. Um, maybe one day I'll get there after this COVID-19 stuff is over with. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a nice place to visit. Um, it's beautiful on the coast, and but we have high gas prices. Oh. I'm, oh, I'm always jealous when I go to, you know, someplace like Bedford, Indiana and see <laughs> the prices that you guys have for, for gas. It's quite different. What is it there now? It's, oh, it's come down to 310 a gallon. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> there you go. So, yes, yeah. it's a beautiful place to visit, but budget for gas. Yeah, it's like a dollar ninety-five here. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, only visit there, I guess, right? <laughs> wow, that's wow, that's crazy. Well, um, you know, you have written so many books, you know, and I, and I didn't really even know this uh, coming into this podcast or this interview, uh, and I'm ashamed to admit that as a teacher. But you know, I've always just focused on a few books. You know, I've had my uh, a set of books in my closet, and I pull those things out from time to time. Actually, you know, we go from book to book to book, and and flip is flipped has always been that book that we've that I've always gone to, um, and from a teacher's point of view, that that book to me uh, is is just golden. All right, it, it's it has stood out to me for 
many, many years. And I know that authors like to write like based off of their own personal experiences. Uh Did you did you base this book off your own experiences? Oh, that, that's a question that I really try to dodge, but the, <laughs> the answer is sort of because, uh, yes, I had a crush on the neighbor boy when I was a kid and yes, he did not like me back. <laughs> um, so there was that, but you know, then life goes on and, and I grew up and we moved away. Um, and then I became a teacher which I didn't know. I don't know if you knew that, but I was a classroom yes. teacher for 15 years and I saw the, the teens in my classroom doing the same thing I had done um, with my neighbor boy, you know, that I just had a huge crush on him and um, didn't really have a lot to, I didn't know a lot about him. Right. So these yeah. kids in my classroom are, are, are crushing on someone and they're in the, you know, <laughs> you hear them talking in the back of the classroom and they're all heartbroken. They're all like whatever they are. And as a teacher and as an adult now, you know, you can see things a lot more clearly. And and I, I would really want to take the girls inside and, and say, honey, he is so not worth it. <laughs> because like at this stage in his life, he's just he's not ready to be what yeah. you want him to be. And but of course, being a teacher and being an adult, it's like what do you know? You know, you can't possibly know what I'm going through. So, which is true. I mean, I felt yeah. that way about adults when I was their age. So I, I understand that very well. So I just thought if I could talk to them through the voices of peers and they could forget that there was an adult kind of in the background and, you know, kind of channel all that youthful angst that I had had, and then also incorporate my poor students and what they were going through and just kind of put that together into something that I, I saw as being pretty universal, you know, where you, you like someone and, and they don't like you back. Yeah. You know, so you were in high school, right? Is that what I read? When uh, I was a high school teacher. Yes. Yeah. High school. Yeah. See, I'm in fifth grade and I've, I've taught fourth, fifth and sixth and it's a completely different world now. You know, yeah. and when, when we read this book, I think sometimes the kids don't relate to it because we're in a digital age and like they don't have to really like face each other or, you know, or get on that bus or have to make those decisions or whatever. They can just look down at their phone or they can just ignore the people. So it's a very different world now. But I think the kids really enjoy seeing that, and especially when an old guy like me, I'm 41 years old and I can say, well, back in my day, that's how we did it. You know, and, and then they're like, oh, here goes Mr. Young's yeah. stories again. <laughs> so, when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. So please, please tell me uh, that the boy that you liked in grade school, his name was Bryce. No, just oh. tell me it was. Oh, why? Well, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't know because see, you have to pull yourself out of it to really make the characters their own people. You really have to pull yourself out of it, and that you have to channel the angst and channel the emotion. But the things that you know Bryce does are different than the things that my neighbor boy did, and the things Julie does are different than the things I did. So it it becomes they become their own people. I mean, I think you start with the kernel of, you know, the characters that, you know, the, the things that had happened to you, or in my case, you know, kids in my classroom, you start with that. But then as you write the, the characters just, they evolve into their own being. And then when you go through the revision process, they are who they are without all those initial personalities. They've become themselves, which is actually a very, it's, 
it's a really cool thing to see characters who start off just as a little idea in your head evolve into people that feel really real to you and yeah. are different than any of the people that, yeah, I mean, you've forgotten who you yeah. started with. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Cause you know, that's what I've always taught my students when we're writing. I always try to say, you know, authors write about what they know or what they've experienced. And like you said, it's just, I like your, your expression. There was just a little kernel, and then it just builds off of that. And, and taking yourself out of that also I thought was very, very interesting because, again, I guess in my head I would think when I would write, I would try to write basically my experiences. But that's, that's, that's very interesting that you got to take See, yourself that's, out of it. it. And, and that is something that especially beginning writers that my editor told me when my first book was, was you know, published. She's, she's like most authors first book is based heavily on their own experiences or on their own life but yeah. but that can be really restricting because if if you are sticking to the things as they really were then that that kind of shackles your your uh, creative juices because you are yeah. stuck with your the reality and you have to let that go you have to say these characters are their own beings and then just let them go be themselves so yeah. Yeah, it it's restrictive to kind of stick to that. You have to you have to break free from what yeah. what it is you've experienced and let your characters experience things that are, you know, their own reality. Yeah. Which sounds really I, psycho, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've, you know, I'm uh, like I said I've taught for it's 15 years. That's kind of funny. You taught for 15, I've taught for 15. And I'm, I have Tourette syndrome. And so I'm, I'm kind of like an oddity as far as, you know, being a teacher that has Tourette syndrome. Uh, I know Brad Cohen, he, he did the same thing, you know, he became a principal, wrote some books. And I've always wanted to write uh, from the viewpoint of like as, as a kid that has Tourette syndrome in the classroom, but I've just never, you know, never uh, delve into that and, and, and actually went through with it. But, you know, taking a lot of this, you know, advice from you, you know, almost like I could create a character, you know, and base it off of what I've experienced, but then just branch it off and go, like you said, pull myself out of it. So um, that's 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 really cool. Yeah. So, Mr. Hey. Young, if if <laughs> OK, so we we both are school teachers. And um, so I, I really, really encourage you to read my um, nonfiction book that came out earlier this year uh, mm -hmm. called Hope in the Mail. And it is everything I learned the hard way about the craft of writing and about it's a, got a peek behind the publishing curtain. It's got the things in it that really? if you are interested in writing a book, which a lot of adults and a lot of teachers, I mean, you have a you have a big fountain of inspiration there in the classroom every day if you want to write for yeah. kids. So um, I think that you would get so much out of reading that. And it's kind of a, a, a shortcut to everything that yeah. took me. I mean, I was rejected by publishers for 10 years. So um, no everything that I learned the hard way, I've kind of put into this book in a sort of an entertaining, tell you stories about things, but also, you know, share what I know about craft and about publishing. Yeah. So it's yeah. called Hope in the Mail. And you, sh yeah. you should read it for yourself. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, I that was actually part of the, the intro there. I, I talked about that book. And uh, it does sound very interesting and, uh, you know, especially for myself. And, and I noticed that it also said for students, because I have uh, a couple of girls in my classroom. It's, it's just amazing to watch, you know, some kids really try to write. And then I have these two girls, you know, one writes, she writes for quantity. She just wants to write, you know, and, and it, 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 it's inside her head. It's a lot of stuff. 
But then I got another girl who's writing a book, and she's at page 22, and she's done it in two days. And you would think that she's just slopping stuff down. But she is – I mean I'm reading through it. And I'm like this has some substance. This is good stuff, and it's it's amazing. So yeah, definitely I'll, I'll pass that book along to her as well. Um, you know, just so they can maybe continue to do that. See, I think, I think you sound like a teacher who shares a lot of books with his students and that, that you discuss books with your students. And I think that that is a great foundation. So the student of yours who has written quality, 22 quality pages already. I I mean, she's, she's kind of emulating what it is she's learned in her, you know, her short life. And part of yeah. that is you kind of demonstrating or, or exposing her to things that are accessible to her and that make her feel like she can, um, she can give it a go, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's always kind of been my, um, goal as a teacher. Uh, you know, when I first started elementary, cause I did middle school for a couple of years and I went into elementary and finally realized like, okay, here's a reading curriculum that they're giving me. And I opened the book up one day, you know, the, you have the little tiny short stories in there and, and you know how reading curriculum is. And I, I told my kids, uh, I said, shut the books. I said, put it back on the shelf. So I think like, I can't, I can't do this. And luckily at that time, the school I was at had a collection of books up there. They had uh, old yeller, which, you know, that, come on, that's a classic for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody's probably read that in their life. Uh, Where the red fern grows, uh, lion, the witch in the wardrobe and hatchet all right so i started with those books and just created these these projects and packets and and we really just dive into these books and the way i got came across your book was a little girl her name was uh sadie barnes uh i I know she'll listen to this but sadie barnes uh she read this book and she's like mr young you got to read this book and i'm you know here i see a cover and it's got two two, a boy and a girl holding hands on it on a tree you know that's the cover that i saw Oh, that's the movie Um, that's the movie edition yeah that's the movie one yeah though it had a a chick on it right on the original cover yeah. And so she showed me this book and she said, you got to read this book. And I'm kind of like, you know, as my wife says, I like books where animals die. I don't know why. Oh, I think it's, no, it's the, no. Well, I think it's <laughs> no more dead dogs. That's that's really. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the it's the the emotion part that I really liked. I like the emotion because it, it draws that out of the kids. So I'm like, OK, Sadie, I'll take the book. So I took the book and, and read it like that night. And in a, the very end of it brings kind of brings you to tears also. And, and I have a little girl, I have some, uh, uh, audio clips here that, you know, you'll be able to hear in the, in the podcast, but she said that was one of the things that she liked was at the very end when they're planting the tree, uh, in the end. Spoiler. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but she, she loved that part. And, and it, it kind of struck me because, you know, I had, I just had this girl last year and, um, I'm like, wow, you know, that's something that she remembered, you know, specifically from that, because it's an emotional time. So I think we, we tie emotions to the stories we listen to. Another little boy said that he, you know, he liked uh, the fact that she showed bravery in in the trees and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I came across your book that way. So you have to thank Sadie for me. Thank you, Sadie. Because, yes, (laughs) because so you use this book in your, you use flipped in your, your, you teach it every year in your classrooms. How many years have you done this since you had Sadie, I guess? Yeah, I've I think I skipped one or two years because the class, you know, not all kids are the same usually. And it's like, OK, I don't think I can they can handle this book. But I've taught elementary now for 12 years and I've probably done it for 10 total years. Wow. Uh, and the first couple of years was really cool because I, I actually did a, a basketball <laughs> in, in my classroom. And 
it, it went a little bit better than what you would have thought because we just auctioned off like pennies and nickels. I had them bring in change or yeah. whatever. And the parents ate it up, I think, more than the kids <laughs> because they, they brought in, you know, these lunches for these kids. You know, I got up there kind of kind of like, you know, the, the character, yeah. of the I guess Ms. the Mc- principal, Ms. whoever was Moore. up there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you know, what we have here, we have Bryce with, uh, you know, a sack lunch. He likes long or whatever, and the kids kind of ate it up, but they they really enjoyed it. And then, of course, it was funny watching them eat lunch in my classroom because like nobody talked to each other, so (laughs) it definitely wasn't like the book where they were actually talking. So, but oh, that's that's so funny that because you know a lot of teachers will will do a science project around hatching out chickens or they'll have some kind of tree thing on the wall and they'll have the kids add a bunch of you know quotes or or thoughts or kindnesses on the tree on the wall yeah um but you did the basketball thing which is i did so much fun oh my goodness and it and it was and actually what it did was it raised money for our uh fifth grade picnic that we we had that year uh so we can go out and buy like you know hot dogs hamburgers and stuff so it kind of served two two purposes there so it was it was a lot of fun and the kids liked it and um, like I said, different classes though, you can do that with some of them you can't do it with. Like, I just know like a certain group, like, okay, this, the basket boy thing's not mm-hmm. going to work. Although they love reading it. They think it's, and what's, what's funny when going off of that, when the kids are reading, whenever I always bring the book out and I always say, which they won't do it this year, but when I always say, okay, you guys are going to love this book. I said, boys, I say it now, boys, you're probably, you're going to look at this cover and it's like, Ooh, and the girls are always like, okay, I'll read it. But the boys end up liking it probably more at the end than what the girls – like the girls still liked it, but the boys, it, it takes a little bit of a buy-in for them. Yeah. And then, then they like it. And, and that's why I always try to tell them, I'm like, give it a chance. And they see how funny it is in the very beginning anyway, you know, just the fact that you start out with Bryce. Yeah. And in his viewpoint. but <laughs> Yep. So, and if you're a boy and you're starting out with this, this boy, Bryce, who is completely – disgruntled and trying to avoid this annoying girl julie i mean what yeah. boy can't in fifth grade can't relate to that so yeah exactly and i make them act it out yeah. too I, I always i always i make them uh what i do i do the win, make them do the windmill thing oh yeah uh, where that the hand grabs a hand yeah. and they yeah and and so yeah I, I like to i like to make them act things out uh as we're reading it because just because I know if they feel uncomfortable, uh, you know, or, or uh, embarrassed, I guess, they'll, they'll react a little bit better. To yeah. <laughs> so. My favorite part of the book is when, towards the end, where Julie and Bryce plant their tree. Um, Juliana was in the tree before she cut it down because I thought that they were actually going to cut it down. And she also had, like, a lot of bravery in that. And that's what I really liked about that part. The part that I loved is where it showed uh, Julie Baker and Bryce's uh, personality. And I wouldn't eat the eggs either because I don't know if she washed them or anything. But I just loved both those parts so much. Hey, babe. Have you heard of a salon? Yeah. How about a beauty shop? Sure. What about a boutique? Well, of course. Yeah, but have you heard of a brotique? Okay, what is that? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Chris Atchison at DNA Designs, he has created this all new brotique. It's a store inside of his shop that caters to, you guessed it, bros. They have like bro based stuff like graphic tees from old businesses of Bedford. 
places I've never heard of, but places like Pleasers and Racks. Racks? I used to work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't about you. It's about the bros, Carrie. The Brotique will also have men's grooming supplies and beard care items. <laughs> I know I love my beard being well cared for. And they will all have like sorts of stuff that they say like, hey, I'm a man. So come on down to DNA Designs in Bedford, Indiana at 2831 U Street and check out the new Brotique. My favorite part about the book is I like how it tells the boy the boys view and the girls view in the book. I really um liked about the book was that you could see what the girl felt about it and how the boy felt about it. Um another thing that a lot of the kids really liked and I never really I always this was the reason why I liked the book. But they liked it because the point of views changed. Uh, you know, most books that we read, you know, Old Yeller, uh, those, you know, older books are either in first person, third person. But you chose to write from two points of view. Uh, you know, why, why did you what, – what, I guess what made you think to do that? Well, it, it, it's explained fully in Hope in the Mail. So when you get to that, you'll you, – yeah. Oh, it does. But okay. um, there, there was this – so there was this story called How I Survived Being a Girl, and it was the first book that of mine that got published. And it it was this about this girl who has this crush on her neighbor boy. <laughs> it was a little too close to reality um, for my childhood. But um, to make a long story short, my publisher asked me for a sequel, and they and I suggested that I write from the neighbor boy's point of view, and they didn't want oh. me to do that. They wanted me to continue the story. And I, and, but I oh. like the idea of seeing, because I, I know I was really this, this girl who had this annoying crush on her neighbor boy when I was growing up. I know that about myself now. <laughs> and I just think to see it from the neighbor's point of view would have been so interesting. So um, I went, yeah. long story short, I was at a different publisher and I decided I'm just going to start a contemporary story all over again, tell it from the, and, and pull myself out of it. Right. So I, I already put yeah. myself into it in that other book, but pull myself out of it and have, yeah. have the girl character and then the boy character. Um, and just yeah. the idea of it and how, how completely different the same set of events is perceived by each. And I just think that's such an, yeah. I mean, think about our, our, think about the value of being able to see the other person's point of view. And I think about how divided our country is right now. And, and there's so much anger oh, yeah. across the aisle, let's call it. And, and, and I'm saying that half the country feels one way, half the country feels the other way. Can we please just be nice to each other and try to figure out why you feel the way you do, you know, let's talk to each other yeah. and see the other side of the coin. And I think with the Bryce and Julie thing, it is so interesting, just like a coin that one side is completely different than the other side. And why don't they understand each other? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the things that I always hit on, you know, each chapter, I'm always like, now she's, he said, but now she said, you know, why do they have different points of view? And, and we try to talk about that, but, you know, everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own way they take things. And I like that, how you put that with the country, you know, as far as, you know, we just need to sit down and talk about, you know, why is it that you're angry? Why are you angry? And, um, 
that, you know, it's an easy, easy solution that we don't want to, um, just to do right. Just to well, talk. and I mean, it's, <laughs> it's if it's you start with two people and what applies to these two people, I mean, it, it applies to something as large as our country. It's just being able to communicate without anger or, or yeah. just the, the, the negative emotions that can go behind a heated discussion or a misunderstanding. Let's uh, try to understand yeah. each other. So we, I think we live in a, a social media world where we just want to put a, a, a quote out there and let it be and let everybody. Yeah, be mad really, about what it. we should Someone be doing is be going to that. climb the tree to look at the sunrise. That's what we should be doing. <laughs> Appreciate our exactly. earth and here we are, exactly. and just the wonder of being alive. Yeah, except I'm afraid of heights. Well, okay, get on a little step stool. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'd be the one on the uh, the lift as they're getting her down. I'd be like, I'm holding on. So, uh, you know, I, I really think that, you know, writing it in those two different point of views, it, it, it helps struggling readers as well. Uh, definitely helps struggling readers because I'll, I'll find a lot of the kids uh, that don't understand maybe the first chapter when they read it from hers because obviously she's going to explain things in a little bit more detail because you know as I always say my wife she uh, she's going to explain things better I'm just going to be like put one word out there um, so I think the struggling readers hear that and then they're like oh, okay that's what oh happened see that's very interesting chapter. to me I, I like that. Because I, I'm I'm trying to learn a language right now and I'm I'm reading a book with my, my sister and I are trying to learn it at the same time. And and we're yeah. so appreciative when the when the author does the simple thing of reusing a, a word in the same paragraph. Like we're like, okay, we, we yeah. just looked that up on Google to see what that meant. And now he's <laughs> reusing it and I'm so glad because I got to use it. So in in, in a broader yeah. sense that having the the story told again differently but it's kind of you're you're going yeah. over some of the same ground but it's a different perspective but you still have those same oh. events that you get to revisit it's kind of like oh okay that makes sense now yeah yeah and the one thing that sticks out in my mind is when uh, he's sitting there and she's sniffing <laughs> his hair and and then like all the kids yeah. like that's weird and then like then with her point of view, then, you know, then they're like, okay, you know, she's sniffing her hair. Like they're, they know what's getting ready to happen, which is cool. Cause you know, like I said, struggling readers, uh, they can, they can read it twice and see that and like, oh, she, it's watermelon. She can, you know, that, that's why she's smelling his hair or whatever. She's trying to help him with spelling. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Now, was it easy for you, uh, to write from a boy's perspective? Because I think I'd have a hard time probably writing, if I tried to do this, writing from a, a girl's well, perspective. Well, so the interesting thing is I, I grew up flanked by brothers. So I had an older brother, a younger brother. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm married to a man. And we have two sons. So uh, there's, like, boys everywhere. And I, and I was a real, what they called, tomboy when I was growing up. So I just ran with a pack, you know. And so so yeah. the boy thing, it, 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 I'm pretty comfortable with it. But I am aware sometimes when I, I read a book in a boy's voice written by a woman that it sounds a little like a woman writing in the voice of a boy. And I really didn't want that to happen. Yeah. I wanted them to have distinct voices and I wanted him to be all boy. So I wrote this story yeah. and then I had my husband read it and I said, okay, anything in here that you would not say, like you as a boy would not say, I want to know about it. And he, he had some things. He said, boy would not say this boy would not say that. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. So I, I got some really good yeah. input from, you know, 
the other half. And I think that that, that helped awesome. a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I could say, you know, I grew up in a house of, of a brother and myself, my dad. So, but then now that I'm married, I have uh, three stepdaughters and a daughter of my own and a son. So I could probably write from the female point of view, or like you said, I could just go to them and say, all right, spice is up. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing here. And they would probably, <laughs> probably do that for me. Now, one of my favorite parts of this book, and it's probably not other people's, but this is my favorite part, uh, is where you have the main character, Juliana Baker. She goes and visits her uncle in a group home. And I think this part of the book like shows basically her real personality and a person like a personality that I could relate to. You know, I worked I didn't tell you this earlier, but I worked for three years in special education. And we'd go to a local nursing home and we would hook the, you know, we'd, we'd roll the kids into the buses and hook them up and then take them to that school. And, and there were times that I was there that I, you know, I'd get to interact with the, the residents that live there and, and it either brightened my day yeah. or broke my heart. Uh, just seeing how some of them were now, did you have any inspiration for like including that part into the story? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What's, what, in, in the book he was Daniel, yeah, and, right? the, and it, no. David and Daniel. So the movie was different than the, yes, yes. the um, yes. But well, they, they, they had to get permission, <laughs> and I think that there there was a permissions issue with using a, a a certain name and a town of a certain name, and just up for the movie they had to. Yeah, there oh, was really? some kind of complication with the naming. But um, so well, when my second son was born. He had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck twice, um, and he's fine. Yeah. But that's our doctor was on the ball, you know, and that was a scary. That was a scary moment, and um, imagine. Then my, but he's fine, wonderful little boy. You know, everything we were, we were lucky. Not everybody's that lucky, and my husband came home from work. Um, you know, several years later, he, he comes home from work and he tells about a friend of his whose son is you know, confined to a wheelchair and and he had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck when he was, you know, born and he had had a, a lack of oxygen and it had resulted in this. So and and so Mark and I were like, wow, I mean, I, I think I think when you're. I think you don't really look at all the things that could go wrong and that's probably a survival yeah. thing. So, so, you know, yeah, our baby yeah. was born and he was fine and we had that little scare, but everything was fine, but you don't see just how life altering it could have been. That moment could have been so life altering. Oh, yeah. And, and I just thought, you know, this could happen to anybody. This could be anybody's, you know, future or life and to, through no fault of their own. And it's just, it just struck me that um, yeah. th that I kind of wanted to point that out that that yeah yeah well it's the whole count your blessings mm -hmm. thing but it's also a, a different way of looking at people with differences and to not judge and I, I don't know to find the compassion as opposed to the avoidance I I don't know there were a lot of complicated emotions that went into creating the character of, um, yeah, Daniel yeah. slash David. Yeah. 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 It's it, to me, it, it really took the book to, to me to a new level just because it, it made the boy really think about, you know, not being a jerk and 
his buddy was kind of because you know everybody has that friend who's you know wants to be say cool things you know and and the other one and, and then you just really start to see Bryce Lossky like really just like wait that's not right I shouldn't be saying that and then they start finding out you know the circumstances like I said working in the special ed classroom you know it's a, a reality for a lot of parents you know that like you said it's life altering yeah. it's it's one minute it's you know everything's fine and then you have this child uh and and, and it just changes you and and you know all your time is, right. is wrapped up in that so it, to me i think you really hit that and you know the, the, you know to me the theme you know is, is a very lighthearted and, and funny but at the same time like i said deep so what is it like overall, like what did you really want your readers to just gain from this entire novel? To learn to look beneath the surface of things and and toward each other, toward circumstance, toward, I mean, on the outside, the baker's house just seems like a mess. It's like, why is their house a mess? Why don't they fix up their house? You know, um, it, it's like yeah. there are reasons there are reasons that they were in this yeah. situation that they were in. And so finding, finding out about a person helps to give you um, empathy for them or understanding of them. And I, and I think that when, I think that's something we need to learn to do. And the younger we learn to do it, I think the, the, the more, um, the more our society will be a nice place, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the yeah, I agree. Learning to look beneath the surface of things and see people for who I, they are instead of what they look like for for the whole crushing thing. It's like, yes, he's adorable, yeah. but is he is he really worth all that emotion you're pouring into him? And the other way around. I mean, it goes two ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the things that we talk about when we're reading it is, you know, somebody might say, and even as a teacher, I learned from this book, you know, when I look at a kid, I'm like, why don't you have your homework done? You know, why don't you have your homework done? And, and it took me a long time to like realize, because I'm a, a, a CASA, uh, I don't know, you might have called him guardian ad litems there in California, but uh, it, it took me a long time to realize that that kid doesn't have his homework done because something's going on at home and I probably shouldn't give him a hard time about it. And I think it helps the kids also realize that not everybody's, you know, surface level. There's something deeper that kids are going through and, and they learn See, from that. See, this is the thing about being a so. teacher. You, you, it, I mean, on paper, it is one thing. But then in the classroom, in reality, it is a completely different thing if you are a compassionate person who, who gets to know their students and gets to get, you know, beneath the surface of who they are to help them to move forward in a positive way. And, and so like yeah. the, the whole, the whole profession of teaching is not what it is on paper it is so much more, so much deeper, no. so much harder than that. It really is. You know, as a kid, you grow up thinking I'm going to play school and I'm going to give my cousins a bunch of homework and then I'm going to give my cousin that I didn't like as much an F on everything. But yeah, like you said, you're, you're, a, you're a, a case, a social worker, uh, psychologist, you're sometimes the lunch person because you give them snacks, and it's a lot more than what people in, in, in just keeping the data. No, I know. On about and now we, we have to monitor the the whole. You know, are your hands clean? Have you is your mask on? What yeah. you know the very various things they. Oh. It's just compounded. Everything is compounded, more difficult. So, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, the mask thing is, well, well I won't I, get into and that. And that's another but. thing. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry to get away from flipped here, but it's, it, I think it's no, important right. that people who make decisions about what teachers do should have been a teacher at some point where they should have been in the classroom, you know, <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree that we got all these people making decisions for us uh, at the state level. And it's like, okay, you guys have never been. So in that's what, that's what I'm so. saying. I think that that should be a prerequisite. <laughs> For, for a higher office. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, have you not clicked subscribe yet? If you like this podcast, please click subscribe. Thank you. Um, Rob Reiner. You I are? I think I'm saying his name right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he directed this movie and... Um, He's known for directing movies like A uh, Few Good Men, Stand by, oh, Stand by Me. I grew up. I love that one. Misery, uh, When Harry Met Sally. We can't, we, we can't go over The Princess Bride that quickly. We have to say The Princess Bride. <laughs> That's what we have to say. The Princess yeah. Bride, yeah. Oh, I know, yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he's, that's, that's crazy to have such a well-known director direct a movie based off of your book. That's got to be pretty exciting. Or that probably it's was still pretty exciting. exciting the time, we just so the movie came out ten years ago, and we just Imagine. did a little um, mini cast reunion, which yeah, which was it was that, so yes. nice to to get together with those four main uh, you know youth actors again and just see what they've been up yeah. to and everything, and just to hear them reflect on how the movie and the story and just the whole experience had impacted their lives. It was a really great experience and completely um unexpected out of the blue and the reason it happened is because because rob reiner's son was required to read flipped for school and and so <laughs> okay. he wound up reading it with his son and then there you go that is yes it is really cool <laughs> so somewhere in california because it won the california young reader medal you know so i don't uh, what's the name of the indiana uh, reader yeah. reader award that it's for oh okay your school oh, doesn't goodness. do that well so all almost all states have an award so the california <laughs> young reader medal is is ours and so it won that which was a huge deal and so it became required reading but somewhere if you back it all up somewhere a librarian oh. suggested that it be on the list to be considered for this award and and yeah. it's so so i just go back to you know the person you know the 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 person was someone who was like a teacher or a librarian who had read the book and said let's consider this book so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's me here in uh, Indiana. I'm always like, <laughs> all right. And you know, a lot, a lot of people have, yeah, but I'm like, you got to read that. Actually, I'm going to have, I, I teach with two other fifth grade teachers and uh, I mentioned it to them the other day, you know, that I was interviewing you and they had actually never heard of it. Like one teacher had heard of it, but she never read it because she didn't have a copy. And I said, well, many years ago, I bought them on Scholastic News for, I don't know how much they were, eight bucks a piece or something. I bought 40, oh. and I think I have 25 left because the kids either steal them or they just lose them or something. But uh, they, uh, yeah, so they're going to be reading the book as well. And with COVID, I guess we can't do, really do a basket boy because we have to like separate our classes and they eat separate and everything. So it's really going to be difficult. But were you, 
Well, how were you approached by the studio? I guess, like, did Rob Reiner himself contact you, or did the studio, or so, your, so your publishers? So that is a really, really long story. But basically, yeah, he called me. He called <laughs> me, and um, oh. yeah, it's a long, funny story, and I'm not. I'm just not going to tell it because it's way too long. But he called me, <laughs> and he had some questions for me, and and um, that's where the conversation yeah. began, and and he was his enthusiasm for the story was contagious. It was just like, Oh my gosh, he read the book. He wants wow. to stick to the format. He wants to have, he called them flip cards, you know, so that you, you would, you would go you show both perspectives. So, I mean, it follows the, it follows the book better than yeah. any movie I've ever seen. I think so. <laughs> that's, that's what we talk about in my class too. Cause we, we read things, you know, like I said, uh, where the reference grows, doesn't follow it. Even Harry Potter doesn't really follow the the book, you know, the movies. It kind of goes off and flipped, like it pretty much. Other than like the little minor things, because I always have the kids like do compare and contrast, and I do it on a Padlet where they type in these uh, answers. I'm like, you know, when you see something different, let me know. And flipped, it's usually like yeah, there there are a couple things that were removed just for time constraints. Um, Yeah, but overall, I mean, I I know how fortunate I am because that. was pretty awesome experience all the way around the the main change was that he made it a period piece instead of a contemporary story and um yeah and he gave me his reasons for that and i just thought you know it sounds good to me and turned out i think to be a very good thing because technology dates uh, dates a project and if there's no technology in it then it's just it's if you already say you know as it takes place in a different era then you don't have to deal with that so yeah yeah that's cool so i mean you were you directly involved like were you, did you yeah, go to I, set or anything I, um, like that or they filmed it in ann arbor michigan and uh so my husband really? and me and our boys and then a, a really good friend of one of my boys who's totally into movies we we all went and we spent several days there and it was i'm so glad we went it was it was a it was an just amazing experience man it's cold in here oh i wonder if the thermostat's working oh man the heater didn't kick on last night i'll know who i'll call i'm gonna call Air Masters here in Bedford, Indiana, Air Masters Heating and Cooling. Owner Tyler Lewis is a good friend of mine, and he told me that, hey, teachers, we need an extra break. We need a perk. We need, you know, it's the little things. So he offered to give us 20% off of all service fees that you guys, if you have anything that you need worked on, 20% off of that. And also, he's going to waive the diagnostic fees for you uh, if he has to come out and check whatever's wrong. And he said, again, that's just the little things that he can do to give back to us teachers here in Bedford, Indiana. So if you've got any problems, go to Air Masters Heating and Air. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Google just by typing in Air Masters Heating and Air, Bedford, Indiana. Give them a call. Have them come out and check your stuff. Tell them Brian sent you from there. I said it. Now, I have to hit this particular piece, and I know I said 20 minutes. I'm so Times sorry. Times two. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah the I'm train sorry, in the canyon's but... going by. You're going to hear uh, a woo-woo. That's from Pismo Beach, California. No, <laughs> Choo-choo. Okay. Ask me. <laughs> well, the particular piece in the book, the, the title <laughs> of the band. 
called the mystery pissers. Now, now, uh, any classroom that's listening to this, I should have, I guess, warned them. Uh, but the name of the band it just cracks me up every time. The kids giggle every time they read it, and of course, I, I always say mystery peers. Uh, whenever I'm reading it, because I don't want to get in trouble by my principal, or whatever. But where did that name originate? Just from? my my imagination. <laughs> what can I say? You know, just your just, imagination. The, the right, whole the PIP, the you know, we'll say P and P piece. Yeah. Um, that the the cross were champ. <laughs> you know, okay, spoiler. But it it just was. It just made me laugh so hard, you know, instead of an RIP, you've got a PIP. I just, I just thought that was okay. Yeah. my childish sense of humor. I just thought it was hilarious. But it's it's also I don't know. I just really liked it. It just kind of evolved as I was writing. That's when yeah. the characters become themselves. We were talking about, you know, it's just things come out your fingertips that yeah. are not you. And there they are. And you'd laugh as hard as the next guy. So. <laughs> yeah. The kids, they always want to like challenge me on it. Like they'll look at me and like, they're like, I'm going to say it. And a couple of kids have, and I've never said anything. I'm like, yeah, it's part of literature, man. I'm not going to, you know, give it a hard time, but um, yeah, it, just, it cracks me up. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll wrap it up here with, with a couple. Um, uh, like I said earlier, I'm ashamed to admit it, but you know, I, I haven't read the other books uh, mainly just because I've stuck with the ones I have. And quite frankly, those are the ones that I, I can afford to buy. But after reading the summaries of all the books that you have, you know, I'm very intrigued. Are there any books that you would suggest that my classroom, like a Midwest fifth grade classroom, would enjoy in addition to the flipped book? That well, we have? you know, I, I would just say all of them because that's who I write for. But I think that all of, there if, you go. <laughs> if readers are looking yeah. for a series and and sometimes it's it's really nice to have a friend that you return to. I would bring in Sammy Keys and the Hotel Thief because that's the first in that series. And a, a lot of readers begin that in fifth grade. And if they like it, there are 17 more books in the series, which takes Sammy through middle school. So, so there's an evolving yeah. storyline across the series, but it starts with Hotel Thief and it's very exciting read aloud, actually, if you, if you like mysteries and, and humor, yeah. um, Sammy lives illegally in a seniors only apartment building with her grandmother and she has to sneak up and down the fire escape to come in and out of the building. And, you know, she's, she's just, she rides a skateboard. She's just this, this spunky girl who, who has a knack for getting into trouble. And then, you know, also, yeah. So, and, yeah. and I would say that the secret life of Lincoln Jones is, is a, is a uh, yes. would be a really good choice. It would give you lots of, of things to discuss. It's also very funny, but it's about, again, it's about a, a serious su subject. Um, and there are a lot of classroom activity tie-in kinds of things you can do with it. So that would, those yeah. two, I would say. Okay, awesome. Uh, now, the last, very last, I promise, very last. Uh, you said you used to teach, correct? I, you don't teach I am anymore. no longer in the classroom. But the, one of the great things about okay. being a, so what? a children's Love. book author is, well, after COVID's over, you know, and before, um, I get to go to do, you know, school assemblies. Schools invite me to come and, and, and oh, you? you know, have author day. And so I still get to see kids a lot because I do a lot of in-person visits and I don't have to grade their papers and I yeah. don't have to deal with the administration. I don't have to deal <laughs> with any of those things that um, make being uh, a teacher, you know, hard. 
So, yeah. So but I feel like I, I haven't you. fully, you know, <laughs> given up my profession. I still, but I teach in a different way. Yes, yes. I, I, that's what I've always said that, you know, even whenever, if I ever leave the classroom, like you're always going to be a teacher, you know, there's always going to be something that I'm going to do with kids or something. And uh, this, this podcast, I did a news channel that I did last year and we made it on a lot of uh, local news networks and stuff. And so I've always thought like I can just do that with kids and, and teach them about media or things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure honestly a, a pleasure and and i'm kind of geeking out right here again because i'm you know a, a teacher and i've read your books so many years and it's just a pleasure that i've been able to speak with you and you've, you've talked so openly about your book that you know my students and i love so dearly um so again it was an honor to well sit thank down you for you. reaching out and, it was really uh, nice to talk to you too and you know i'm i like to support teachers any way i can so i appreciate that you share my book with your students and that that you do such uh, fun activities with them. I love those that, that you've got team Bryce and team Julie and you do the, the, the activities with, with those big um, backdrops. It's just, thanks for sending those pictures. That was really cool. Again, I'd like to thank Wendelin Van Dronen for joining me on the podcast today, taking time out of her schedule to talk to a teacher uh, so that we can uh, share our love of books and reading of her book to my class. And, you know, it, it was just a pleasure and an honor to be able to interview her. So, again, thank you very much for the time that you gave me today. So there are